Hello and welcome to the Lions Megapod Super Wild Card Edition. Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, Adam Candy coming to you. Don't you just call this a regular ass wild card weekend? This is a super wild card weekend. And we have games on Saturday, games on Sunday, game on Monday to go through here with me and my guys. And you know, boys, it as sad as I am that the regular NFL season is over, the fact that we only had to really dig in to six games this week actually gave me a chance to to really kind of pour through everything and 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 really kind of try and figure out if we were along the the right track with some of these things out there. So, you know, listen, I'm I'm sad we don't have a full slate. Glad that we were able to really, really dig deep into these games, and I don't want to waste any more time talking here about our first Saturday game, which is the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. As we sit right now, Browns are two, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road over Houston, a total of 44-and-a-half. Adam, I'll start with you here on this one because I know that Stephen and I are on the same page, so certainly want to get your opinion before we get going here on this thing. Um, what do we know about this game? Well, I can tell you that they played on Christmas Eve. It was a 36-22 to 22 win for the Browns in Houston. That said, it was Davis Mills that was under center for Houston, not C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud will be back for this one. In that game, Flacco did go for 368 yards. That doesn't have anything to do with C.J. Stroud not playing. And that was the game that Amari Cooper went absolutely nuts for 265 receiving yards. This is a new week. This is a different Texans team with C.J. Stroud under center. What do you see here, Browns and Texans? So I think you have to look at what happened today in particular and have a little bit of caution if you're a Browns backer, if you have not already gotten into the market on the Browns because the Denzel Ward situation from practice where he injured a knee, we don't know how badly, but he is considered day-to-day at the moment, is absolutely massive uh, for this Browns defense. Just to pick one stat out of a hat, out of a number that you could use to talk about the Browns and what it means when Denzel Ward is on the field, their defensive success rate drops nearly 7% when Denzel Ward isn't out there. Uh, Quarterback rating against goes up uh, massively by 20-plus points when Denzel Ward is on the field. So if you're not already in, I would just caution to think about that before you go any farther if you are heavy on the Browns. For me, I am not really worried about C.J. Stroud having his first playoff game. I think that C.J. Stroud has acquitted himself in big games fairly well. Uh, I think he did last week. I think he did in college. And I think he will again this week. Do I like it to the point of playing the Texans outright? No. But if I can have an eight-point home dog with a total in the low 40s, then I see the Texans as just fine teaser leg. Steven, uh, as we head to that injury report, if we look, um, it was certainly lengthy over the course of the week for the Cleveland Browns. That being said, only a few leave with actual injury designations. Mike Ford, questionable. Dustin Hopkins is out. We have Pierre Strong, backup running back, is questionable. John uh, Juan Thornhill listed as questionable. Cedric Tillman out, just a backup wide receiver, nothing there. As Adam mentioned, Denzel Ward also listed as questionable. Grant Delpit did get activated into his window, but um, is going to miss this game. If they were to make it to next week, maybe uh, Grant Delpit would be back out there to help this uh, this defense. I know you and I were 
we're, we're jumping on getting the Browns into our account this week. Yeah, I bet it open minus one and a half. Um, I will concede that this is still a pretty expensive price on the Browns. If you compare what this spread was in the first meeting between these two teams when CJ Stroud didn't play, it's only about two points cheaper, but through the key number of three and a half. And sorry, three, but it was three and a half when Davis Mills was on the field when they played a couple weeks ago. So um, I concede that it is it is pricey. I mean, this you would think this wouldn't be as big of an adjustment. With that being said, I think you do have to upgrade the Browns with what we now know about this offense. Um, I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place with I the style that the Browns offense plays with how pass heavy they have been with Joe Flacco. I love that. I think it increases their ceiling on a week-to-week basis. Amari Cooper is now off the injury report, does not have an injury designation, so that's great. So wheels up for this offense, in my opinion, against a Houston defense that has struggled against the pass this year. This is a a defense that is not in the top 20 by um, most advanced metrics against the pass. So um, I, I do agree with Adam that if Denzel Ward does not play, this might be an overplay on the over under for me. I still would lean Browns. I wouldn't be anywhere near as confident as I was when I made the bet at the start of the week, when I thought Denzel Ward would play. And this was a midweek addition to the injury report. So we have no context about whether he's actually going to play or not until we get some kind of insider tweet uh, like midnight on Friday night. So we have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, But again, if, if Ward doesn't play and you heard the splits that Adam gave about, what this defense has looked like. And I don't think it's, you know, an unfair sample size. It's a handful of games this year with a mix of good and bad offenses. When Ward wasn't on the field, a a matchup against the Ravens, the Broncos, the Rams, the Jaguars, the bears and the Bengals. So I think it's a fair split there um, with Denzel Ward. So I will just say that if he's not on the field, I would very much be looking to bet the over in this game as well. So I bet the over on open as well as the Browns. I bet the open anyway at 43 and a half. I bet uh, the Browns at a point and a half. It is up to 44 and a half. That being said, it would only still lean me towards, uh, towards an over as the different things that you guys said. If we look at the injury report on the Houston Texans side of things, lots of guys listed as questionable and every one of them were limited practices on Thursday. So Will Anderson, Noah Brown, Malik Collins, Jonathan Grenard, Sheldon Rankins, Robert Woods, all guys that are listed as questionable. Jerry Hughes, a defensive end for them, is already ruled out in this thing. We know Will Anderson's going to go, but we know what Will Anderson does now. He only plays about 10 snaps a game. He only comes in on obvious, obvious passing downs, and that's all we're getting out of Will Anderson right now as he battles through this injury that is keeping him off the field on a down-to-down basis. Um, Guys, Adam, let's just, uh, as we dig further into this game, right, Uh, last, pretty much for the entire season, one of our things we were saying about this Texans defense was, look, you can throw all over them, no doubt about that, but hey, they're pretty stout against the run, like they are, they're pretty good against the run, so they force you to kind of be one-dimensional, and then in come the Colts last week, and they run for over 200 yards on this Texans team, and so with that, are you worried at all that with all of these dudes that are listening as questionable, all these dudes that are DNPing and then limited practicing throughout the course of the week, they're still giving it a go, but it seems as if, and we're just going by a very small sample size, that the collection of all of the guys that are kind of playing banged up 
might have a sum towards this defensive line in general, which is, hey, still good, but not elite against the run like we saw earlier in the year when these dudes were were playing, you know, most of the downs. I can't make a case against that, Matt. I, I will give you two things that I looked at in my own handicapping of this game that are not necessarily pushbacks. They're just other angles to yep. the offensive side of things. First of all, let's start with that Browns offense and the fact that Joe Flacco has been making mistakes. They have turned into interceptions. There have been more turnover-worthy plays that haven't, and that becomes more of a concern for me when we go into this minuscule sample here of 60 minutes of one playoff game when I'm talking about, in my handicap, eight points on a teaser leg with a total of 44. That leads to my second point. When we talk about C.J. Stroud, Cleveland didn't get to see him in the first game. Right, The advantage in this actually goes to Bobby Slowick and the Texans' offense because they went against a completely different Texans' offense to the Cleveland Browns, and now they will be seeing C.J. Stroud for the first time, and I think that actually is one of the things that gives me confidence in, in uh, the Texans' ability to chase. So I realize I'm not addressing your question directly about what it means for the Cleveland offense because I think to some degree – we probably have to bake in that Cleveland's offense is going to be successful regardless because we've seen the quality of this offensive line. We know what Amari Cooper did last time, and we know that the Texans just haven't been a great defense all year long. Steven, they're not giving us free money this week. They put Flacco's prop at 268.5, so thank you for that, Sportsbooks, for the month of uh, giving me an incredible boost to my bankroll. I thank you for all of the ridiculously low numbers that you were Throwing up there on Joe Flacco, who, by the way, the Flacco-led Browns lead the league in pass rate over expected since he took over. That's not a shock to us, but I guess it was a shock to the sports books for there for about a month, which worked out really great for all of us from a prop betting standpoint. Uh, 268 and a half seems about right for me, so I'm not kind of jumping in on that. Of course, with the way that the Browns play, it would be an overpass. I'm never playing an under on that, specifically because I think there's two different routes to getting there, which is su successful Browns team. And then also Brown's team trailing. So I think that there's a couple of different routes to get there. We'll talk about a couple of weather games later on here. But this one, of course, played in Houston in a dome. Perfect weather conditions, fast track, all that stuff. So we don't have to worry about anything affecting this pass game at all. Um, just a quick note for people out there who are looking at playing some props. Uh, Devin Singletary got every single running back carry in week 18 in a must-win game for the Texans. So it seems as if Devin Singletary has become the bell cow back for the Texans here. Um, he's the guy apparently they trust the most as no other running back got a single tote last week in a must win game to get into the playoffs. Steven, um, what do you, what, what is the game plan here for a successful Texan? Since you and I are on the Brown side, let's, let's play devil's advocate here. What is a, what is a successful Texans game plan look like? What happens in this game? If we're looking up in the Texans, I mean, it's one and one half, two points, something like that. They basically be winning the game outright. Uh, not having Denzel Ward on the field is a good start. We've covered that already. Um, I think it is the offense looking more like it did the last two weeks of the regular season without Tank Dell than it did the first three weeks that they played without Tank Dell. Now there's a couple games in the middle there where CJ Stroud had a concussion. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to include that. Mm -hmm. It's irrelevant, but 
in the last two weeks of the regular season without Tank Dell against the Titans and the Colts, C.J. Stroud was 13th by EPA and 9th in success rate. Those were bad defenses, though, so that might have been part of it. The first three games without Tank Dell, C.J. Stroud was 25th and 30th in EPA and success rate. Those were games against the Jaguars, Broncos, and Jets in weather conditions. So that's that's probably my answer, Matt. Like they They have to have become more comfortable with their new look offense. They're running more two tight end sets than they did when Dell was on the field. Uh, they've become a little bit more run heavy. So that would be my answer. I'm skeptical of that. That's why I bet on the Browns. Um, but here we are. I mean, and I, I, I'm, I'm a broken record at this point, but I really do think whether Denzel Ward plays or not is a very big deal about how competitive the, the Texans can be here. Adam, do you alter your handicap as we get to the playoffs as far as like the statistics that you use, how you utilize those, how you do things? Because for me, um, I think season-long stuff to me becomes less relevant. I kind of take it to about week 10, and then I take it to about week 14. I kind of want to see like what happened over the second half of the season, then what happened down the stretch, right? Because I kind of don't want teams that are limping into the playoffs in a whole bunch of different categories, just me personally. I was happy to see when I did dig in that the starting at week 10, if you look at the EPA, EPA per play allowed from this Browns defense, it, it was still sixth. If you go and you shorten it up to, to week 14 and on, it's third. So it is a defense that did this all season long, which again, if I'm making a bet on the Browns, I'm also betting on the fact that the Browns are going to be showing up from a defensive perspective. How do you kind of go about breaking down these teams and trying to figure out, okay, what noise is there a bunch of noise in these season long deals? Because again, a, a team, what it looked like in week four, five, six might not have any recollection of what this team looks like, you know, since week 14. I mean, the short answer is it depends, but I think if you've been listening to this podcast for the last few weeks, you've heard me pretty consistently reference second half of the season. Uh, I, I am pretty much in the last two to three weeks of the year, I'm pretty much looking at second half of the year because there's so much in the NFL that I think we get too locked up in what the season long has looked like when so much changes rookies develop and injuries happen and unknowns emerge. And I think when it comes to trying to look in terms of in the off season, right? When we're doing all of our off season pods and we're trying to talk about who might be good this year. We want as much information as possible, right? We want the longest sample possible, even though the NFL doesn't really give us that sample over the course mm -hmm. of a 17-game season. Now, when we start talking about individual, really specific, tell me what's going to happen within these 60 minutes, you have to be looking at injuries. You have to be looking at offensive changes. You have to be looking at what happened in terms of how they're calling plays, what, what they've gone against in terms of their opponents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that yeah. I think needs to be more micro at this time of year. Uh, guys, like I said, I played the over. If I was trying to make a case for the under here, I think it goes a little bit something along the lines of, hey, the Browns defense is good. Like any way you look at it, we just mentioned that, that the you can look at season long, you can look at second half, you can look at the last month of the season down the stretch. They've been good the whole way through. And so you could just say, hey, the Texans struggle to move the ball more than we thought against this Browns defense that has shown up each and every week all season long. And conversely, Flacco 
whenever you know exactly what he's going to do, this Texans defense, after having seen him one time already, after having more tape on him, has been able to kind of neutralize that all we can do is pass uh, offense. And uh, whenever they're able to do that, then the Browns aren't able to be as efficient either. I think there is a path to the under. Now, I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen. I do think that both these teams will score, but I think it's a very real possibility that this Browns defense just travels and it's very good and and they hold C.J. Stroud to, let's call it, 14, 17 points or something like that in this game. And I think it's a very real situation where, hey, the Texans go, they threw for 368 yards on us last time and Amari Cooper went for 265 franchise record. We're not going to allow that to happen again. Let's let them run and they're not good at running. So let's see how efficient they can be trying to run. I don't know what y'all think about that, but I do believe that there is a, 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 a path to an under as well. Yeah, Matt, I think what we have to really factor in here is that first game is exactly what we're talking about with micro versus macro. I can't get too involved in that particular game because the circumstances changed so much, right? If I'm the Texans going into that game with Davis Mills, I damn well know I'm not winning, right? The Texans need a miracle to win that game. Am I breaking out anything that is my best against Cleveland in that game, including players who are nursing injuries, et cetera, et cetera. And whether I'm breaking out my best or not, CJ Stroud wasn't there before. So, to the point of an under, what I do think it does is that it allows the Texans to maybe not be as bad on defense, right? Maybe not be as abysmal as they were in the first game because maybe they just didn't have the foot all the way down on the gas pedal in that game in the first place with CJ Stroud being out and them realizing we're just trying to get right for the playoffs. So if I were making an under case, that's the way I would look at it. Matt, I would like to close with a a defense of Joe Flacco because we've had some debates on our staff at the lines this week about, you know, we hear what I, we all mentioned what Adam said, the turnover worthy plays. And that's absolutely a concern overall, his advanced metrics in the weeks where he's been the Brown starter don't look very good because he's about 19th and in the mid twenties, if you look at EPA and CPOE composite along with success rate, but I want to give him a break for his first game off the couch out of retirement and against the LA Rams. And by the way, the Browns were only down one point against the Rams with four minutes left in the game before the Rams finally pulled away. So if we take out that first game for Flacco out of retirement and only look at the other games where he's finally had a chance to acclimate and, and start performing a little better, get to know the playbook, et cetera, it's far better. It's, it's above average in both EPA and CPUE composite along with success rate. Um, it's So I, I just want to give that context as well. I think we shouldn't overreact too much to a sample that includes that much of an extreme situation with his first start. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, his turnover-worthy play percentage is a little bit high for what you'd like, but it, at 3.6, it's only 0.2 higher than C.J. Stroud, who's on the other side of the field that everyone is jumping up and down about and how awesome he is. Josh Allen's turnover-worthy percentage play since week 10 was 4.2%, obviously higher, and so is Tua Tagovailoa, a guy that we really, really love this season as well. So, again, everything in context, right? Like you said, I mean, every, everything in context as far as, like, the amount of times that he's throwing the ball, his his turnover-worthy play percentage is in line or lower than some of these quarterbacks that we're really saying, like, wow, they played great over the second half of the season. So, again, these are the stats and why we're, we're kind of looking into all of them. Super fun game, two bets in the account for me in that one all right 
Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. This is four and a half in favor of the Chiefs at home over the Dolphins. 43 and a half to 44 is your total in this market right now. This is a game in which we know these play, played in Germany on November the 5th. The Chiefs won that game 21 to 14 in a very, very weird game. We talked about it on the pod. The Chiefs scored all 21 of their points in the first half. That included a defensive score inside of those 21 points. The Dolphins scored all 14 of theirs in just in the third quarter and were shut out in the other three quarters in the game. Both teams had turnovers. Time of possession was 30-24 to 29-36. They had the ball the exact amount of times in the, in the game. It's just a odd, weird, weird, weird game that I took absolutely nothing from as I move forward in the handicap with this one. I don't think there was a ton to take from that one either when it came down to it. So, Stephen, Dolphins and Chiefs, full disclosure, guys, when the when this line hit, I, I put a Dolphins three and a half in my account. And then when the Jalen Waddle stuff started looking less promising to me. I just cashed it out and bought off of it. And so I have nothing in this game in my account currently on this one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more than Waddle too. It's three quarters of their secondary because Xavier Howard's been ruled out. Deshaun Elliott and Javon Holland have been DNPs the entire week, even though they're listed as questionable. Usually when you're DNP the entire week, you're on the wrong side of questionable. So we'll see about them. Uh, Mostert and Waddle did get in limited participation all week. If they play, who knows how effective they'll be. Um, this is just this is just a really bad situation, and I haven't even mentioned that they're down their top three pass rushers against one of the better pass-blocking offensive lines in the NFL and an all-world quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. So if this was in perfect conditions, that would be a terrible situation for the Miami Dolphins. And we're playing in sub-zero temperatures by the end of this game with wind chills in the like negative teens, apparently. So um, forget about long-distance field goals in this game. P potentially forget about down-the-field passing with more wind and extreme cold. It's just going to be an odd um, kind of smash-mouth football type game, it seems. So I tell you all that, and I tell you in perfect conditions, the spread, if you look at what the ratings for these two teams have been all year, probably would have been only like Chiefs minus two, right? If you give them two, two points for home field at Arrowhead, these two teams are pretty much rated equally for a, a lot of the season. So if you want to come in on the other side with all this line movement for Kansas City and take the best of the number on Miami, you need to make a good case to me that all of these issues with the injuries and the weather conditions are worth less than two and a half points. And I don't know how you can make a good argument for that. I also am not sure how you can make a definitive argument the other way either. I mean, this is very expensive for Kansas city. So suffice it to say, I have no opinion on the spread at this point. I think it's just too hard to get any confidence on what the number should be, but I will take a money line parlay on Kansas city at this point with one of the other bigger favorites on wildcard weekend and feel really confident about that, Matt. So Adam, we look at last week's game in which the dolphins lose 21, 14, to the bills, the bills come back, score 14 in the fourth quarter. And people would look at that and say like, yeah, but they were, you know, competitive with the bills and everyone's high on the bills. And we you know, why are we downgrading them so much? 
it's because all those injuries that we're talking about, other than Waddle, who didn't play in the game, happened during the game. So they would be heading into this game down a bunch of dudes they actually had in the game against the Bills to start. And so it is a different version, as we were just talking about in our previous handicap. It is even a completely different version of the Dolphins this week than even last week. So uh, let me ask you guys a couple questions. Going to be real simple answers here, okay? How's Miami generally play against good defenses? Uh, they have not impressed against good teams and good defenses this year. No, they haven't? Okay. Kansas City a pretty good defense? Yes. Matt doesn't want to participate. Matt's not. Matt's out on this one. <laughs> Matt's not playing along. That's not a fan of your lead the witness anymore. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking actually to to give the same validation to the Chiefs' defense that we were giving to the Browns a little bit earlier. Um, what I will say is the Chiefs' defense is not as good as it was the first half of the season. I will. I, I is, will say that. But but that yes, is still a good defense fair. no matter what. Yes, that is still a hundred percent fair. Um. I think Stephen already told us. I don't have to ask you again that the weather is going to be abysmal. Um, one more question. How's Kansas City's offense been this year? Yeah. Underwhelming? Disappointing. Not, I mean, definitely not overwhelming. Maybe whelming. <laughs> but uh, trending toward underwhelming. Guys, how's this thing still holding at some places at 44? Where are these points coming from? I, it's because I don't understand the names on the game say Chiefs and Dolphins, and I think people are having a hard time letting go of that, Adam. Even if you think that this becomes a game where Miami can run the ball effectively, which we know they can, and if you want a different angle into this, even if Raheem Mostert is healthy, Devin Achan's getting the carries in this game, and I would be looking toward Achan, especially when it comes to yardage with his ability to break big ones. Um, but overall, we just want to talk spread and total. This, this game's a dead under to me. Uh, I, I don't really see how we are getting anything more than what we got out of these teams in Germany when they were healthy and they put up 28 points with a defensive score to take it to 35. And we're still having to get in some places on the board to 44 with these two teams. Where's it coming from? Kansas City can't chase. Let's get that narrative way out of our heads. Kansas City is done as a team that can chase. And you know what? As explosive as Miami can be, they haven't chased very well this year either. So I don't really see where it's supposed to come from for Miami or Kansas City in this game. 44 to me feels well high. I realize that because that's a key-ish number and 43 is a key-ish number, I'm not going to go out there and say, oh, play a bunch of alts. No, take the safety and security of, of what's on the board right now and play under 44. Adam, would yeah. you agree an underrated aspect of this too is just the kicking element when you're in weather like this? Because I think when you're trying to handicap over-unders when you're around this number, you know, we take for granted the field goals when it's like a 45 yard field goal or a 47 yard field goal. God forbid a 50 plus like that is nowhere near as automatic in these conditions. Well, the flip side to that is I want field goals when I have an under. Right. I, I want them settling for field goal tries as opposed to feeling like, oh, God, the weather is so bad that we have to go for more fourth downs and increase the chances the drives turn into touchdowns. That to me is more how I look at it. But yeah, I mean, on its on its face. Do I want field goals going in if I have an under? No. 
So the other angle to me, and this is the only one that I'm pretty sure is going to make it into my account. You can find Patrick Mahomes passing yards as high as 252 and a half out there right now. Um, look, Patrick Mahomes in this offense, as, as Adam just alluded to, and, and if you have eyeballs, you've seen this offense hasn't been good all year long. Like this has not been a good offense all season long. And now we're going to throw them in terrible, treacherous conditions in which throwing the ball is likely to be uh, the least least optimal way to move the ball in, in all of this. And so I think 252.5 is too high. I think I'm going to come in on the under on Patrick Holmes with this. I think I would play this all the way down to like 247 probably. Like I think there's still five yards of room in that one. And mainly because, as we just kind of said too, if either one of these teams gets big, it gets up big, they're just going to try and take the air out of the ball. I mean, like this, this is not going to be a, oh, we're going to continue to like keep our foot on the gas here in these, in these conditions. That's just not how it's going to, going to work, you know? And like, so I, I also believe that we can get some, some scenario in which either one of these teams finds themselves up 10 points. And if that were the case, then this thing could really slow down and really be a drag and really have a team just trying to get out the door. So the Mahomes, 252 and a half to me just seems absurdly too high. And so uh, an underplay for me on that one. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. This is nine and a half, 10, and this has been toggling nine and a half, 10 since it came out. So by the time you hear this, it's either going to be nine and a half or it's going to be 10. It's going to toggle back and forth all the way up until kickoff. The total is anywhere between 35, 35 and a half out there. And so, Adam, when we take a look, it's going to be Mason Rudolph. I don't think that's a shock to anybody. He has looked the best at quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Take from that what you will. Uh, on the Buffalo Bills side of things, as I mentioned, they had to rally last week to get that win over the Dolphins. But in fairness, they did rally. So they were able to come back and win that game. Um, they did not play during the regular season, but they did play in the preseason. So it's not a complete unfamiliarity, but pretty much an unfamiliarity between these two squads. This is another weather game up there in Buffalo. Temps in the 20s. We're going to get sustained winds in the 15 to 18 mile an hour range. We're going to get gusts into that 25 to 30 mile an hour range, which could affect the scoring as well. Yeah, I'm actually seeing some weather forecasts that are even more pessimistic than that, where that wind could be sustained more up around 25. And Look, if you're not thinking about the game from, tell me if I'm wrong, two years ago, three years ago, when did we have the New England Buffalo uh, Monday night game that was like the under of the century? Yeah, right? I think it was like two uh, years ago. Yeah, I think it was two years ago that we had that game. And I think it was one of those where you could be scared off by all of the movement down that you saw in the total. And then we didn't even come close to where it went off. I think we're right back in that spot here again, Matt. Hey, Adam, remember, we had a game go off at 29 last week and it, and it was and it was safe touch under. it yeah and Didn't it was safe touch under. It. yeah yeah i uh, there's there's very little path for me in this set of weather conditions to an over if you don't feel like you got the number you wanted and you're scared of this number that's fine i i, I can understand that i still think this is an under though um and it's for multiple reasons first of all i will give you this on buffalo 
I was very firm in saying I thought that was one of the best plays of the year was under in that game last week. And to be honest, even with what the score looked like, I felt kind of fortunate that it got there because Buffalo probably should have scored a few more points Mm -hmm. than they did in that game. They had a couple of drives and with turnovers down deep, and they probably should have at least had 28 in that game. Um, But these weather conditions are going to lean into what we've already seen as the Joe Brady tendencies to run the football. Uh, you're you're going to see both of these teams pound it out on the ground. It, they're just not going to be able to consistently throw it. Now, we've heard all about Josh Allen has the arm to cut through the wind. He absolutely does, but Joe Brady already hasn't had him throwing. So it's not a matter of can he. It's a matter of will the offense allow him to. So I have no opinion on the side in this game. That's a whole lot of points with a total that's sitting where it is. But... Um, I like under, I like it less just for understanding purposes. I like it less than the Kansas City Miami under. I think that is a stronger confidence play for me than this one, but that's the way I'd look in this game. So the Bills kind of under the radar here were 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 on the offensive line standpoint. They started all five of the same players for all 17 games this year. They only gave up 12 sacks, which is the fewest in the NFL, which is pretty crazy when you think about it because we didn't hear much about this Bills offensive line. And to lean into Adam's point here, Stephen, we are getting a team that is very content to run the ball. Uh, Since Brady took over, James Cook is averaging 16.7 attempts per game. He's also getting 3.7 targets per game, which is basically just an extension of the run because he's not running real routes. These are just little swing passes out to him as well. So he's basically getting 20 attempts per game and Josh Allen over the last two games which this leads me to believe that this was a saving of Josh Allen till the end of the season type deal because there was like Josh Allen's not running as much why didn't Josh Allen run as much why aren't they using him as much well when it got down to the to the nitty-gritty the last couple of weeks Josh Allen has 27 rush attempts over the last two games right and I expect we see a whole bunch more of that as well, especially given these conditions, too. Um, I like Allen rush yards. I like rush attempts for James Cook. I think that all of those are certainly in play in this one. Uh, what do you see here from a Bill Steeler standpoint? For Buffalo, I find it kind of ironic because the past few years with their high-powered, high-velocity passing offense, I've uh, you know made the hot take with just our staff that I almost wish they wouldn't win the division and wouldn't have to play in Buffalo weather because I'd rather see them on the road in a dome or some southern beautiful weather city because I think they'd have a higher ceiling then. And then they changed to Brady at OC and the bye week comes and there was a stretch where they were the most run-heavy team in the NFL. You mentioned the offensive line continuity that has led to a top 10 run-blocking win rate offensive line. And when you are going to play in an extreme wind game like this, well, that makes your success rate in short yardage that much more critical and that much more important because you're probably not going to kick a field goal at certain spots. and You're probably going to go for it more than you normally would. So having Josh Allen as your battering ram in those short yardage situations is a big deal and a big weapon for this game. So uh, it's just ironic to me that we get to this point, and I actually think the new-look Bills are best equipped to handle these conditions more so than they have been at any point since Josh Allen was the quarterback in Buffalo. I don't love it in like a Super Bowl dome environment conditions necessarily, but I actually think this might lead to them being less likely to turn the ball over as much as they do with Josh Allen throwing interceptions. So 
Um, yeah, I think they're well built for this. I think they win the game. This was early in the week when the price was, you know, at least reasonable part of the money line parlay I had with Kansas city. I just have a hard time seeing how with the home field and the conditions and the opponent that they're playing, how Buffalo or Kansas city loses this weekend. Um, and at this point, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm just not interested in backing Pittsburgh. I will say like on, on paper, when you have a total this low and a team getting 10 points, you it's may want to consider yeah. the dog. I'm never considering Buffalo minus 10 at this point. I'm finding creative ways to get them cheaper. Uh, but Pittsburgh to me has been just such a fraud all season. They're one of those winning record teams with a negative point differential third string quarterback. That's been, you know, riding that against bad teams. And now they have their best defensive player, TJ Watt, uh, unlikely to be on the field. So not on the field, actually it's been confirmed. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm good. And I'm just trying to find creative ways to include Buffalo and parlays to win this game. Adam, I don't think we can understate the loss of T.J. Watt for this defense. When you have a guy that wreaks havoc on the quarterback as much as he does, and even though we don't expect there to be a ton of passing in this game on the Buffalo side of things, there will be some passing. They will have to throw the ball. They will have to drop back. It's not going to be a zero-pass attempt game. And if you look at what T.J. Watt does to disrupt all of that and him not being out there, I think it is worth kind of spending at least just, just 30 seconds and trying to say, like, you know, listen, this is – not the same Steelers team. There are very few guys where we look and from a defensive perspective say like, that is a different team without that dude out there. But TJ Watt is one of those guys for sure. It would kind of be like losing you from this podcast. Oh, thank you. Wow. Thank you. That's beautiful. I do appreciate that. That's nice and uh, nice and warming. The, the heart I, flutters. I, it is. Uh, I will say this. I will say this. Weather changes rapidly, especially in the Northeast. And this is a Sunday game. And we're still, we're recording this on Thursday evening. Things could change. And so if things change, I will be willing to put in an over ticket if this does not look near as bad as people say come Saturday night or whatever or something like that. Because 35 and a half is a pretty low total for a Bills team that I can almost chalk up mid twenties for them in this game in conditions that aren't absolutely horrible. And then we're not asking for very much at all from Pittsburgh to kind of help us out, chip in on the over there. Just keep in mind that this bills team is going to be a shut it down bills team, right? Either one of these teams with any sort of lead is going to lean even harder into the run. Like if you're someone who's the same game parlay player, I don't even think the weather matters so much if you want to take multiple running backs and string together some uh, like attempt overs uh, for like, normally you'd be like, well, is it going to be Najee Harris or is it going to be Jalen Warren? Those carries have been pretty evenly split for the last few weeks here. And we already talked about James Cook. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a game in which you're going to see some movement guys on Sunday morning. So just be prepared for it if you're looking at it to move one way or the other because as soon as the pregame shows hit, you guys have seen this happen for the last several years. We watch. As soon as the pregame show hits and they cut to the weather and they're going to show the flag and they're going to show it either waving or not waving or they're going to whatever and all it's like like it, the the game will move. And so just if you're looking for it to move in your direction, whatever your direction is, um just be ready for it because it's going to happen whenever they do that on Sunday morning for this game. 
bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. This is seven in favor of the Cowboys across the board. 50 and a half is our total in this one. Uh, Steven, I'll start with you here on this game. I put a, I tucked a seven and a half away with the Packers in my account. Um, as much as we have weather games this week, this of course is in Jera world. So we don't have to worry about that. It's uh it's in a dome. It's going to be nice, fast track, good conditions. So we don't have to worry about anything from that aspect, but we're sitting here and I'm guilty. I, I guys, if you looked at the podcast from earlier this year and you heard me, there were disparaging comments about one Jordan Love, and that was me. I was doing it. That's my fault. Jordan Love came out, and he stuck it up my ass here on the last uh, little bit. And uh, if you look, since week 10, Jordan Love was PFF's third-graded passer in the NFL over the second half of the season. If you look at NFL and CP- uh, NFL, uh, if you look at the NFL for EPA and CPOE composite, Dak Prescott, his opponent, was second, Jordan Love was third since week 10. Like, the dude has just figured it out. And he's done that, and it's even more of a hat tip because he's done it with his star receiver in and out of the lineup and most of the time out of the lineup for this Packers squad. So I will uh, I will concede. I was wrong about Love. I think he actually figured some stuff out here and can be an NFL quarterback, but that's neither here nor there. Seven points, total of 50 and a half. What say you? I agree with everything you said about love in this offense. And now they look pretty healthy coming into this game. Maybe even a chance that Christian Watson comes back. We'll see Uh, if you believe that. And I believe that, you know, I can, I don't need a whole hand of fingers to count the number of games where I was interested in betting the over where the total started with a five. And this is one of them. I love the over in this game, 50 and a half. I'm good with it because I don't need to go into a long analysis of why the Cowboys are going to score points in this game at home on the fast track in Dallas. We've been over that plenty of times this season, but I'll at least just mention that the Green Bay defense since week 14 has been putrid. They are 27th in EPA per play allowed. They are 26th in success rate. By drop back, they are 29th. 
and 31st in EPA and success rate. And these are the quarterbacks that they faced in that stretch. The Giants quarterback, which I can't remember if it was DeVito or Tarad, but either way, not great. Baker Mayfield, Bryce Young, a combination of Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins and Justin Fields. Good luck against Dallas this week in Big it, D. It was Thomas Cutlets, by the way. Thomas Cutlets, <laughs> and they lost that game. <laughs> Tommy, I live with my mom still Cutlets, and she makes my bed. Yeah, so uh, so the metrics are, have not been kind to Green Bay down the stretch here by any stretch of the imagination. I think we're going to get a ton of points in this game. And even if Dallas gets up a couple of touchdowns here, I think the back door is always open. So um, I don't know if a 7.5 is going to come back. I bet 7.5 as well, Matt. If it does, I would advise everybody to bet it. But if not, I think seven is still, you know, you can make a case for it. And I think the over looks really juicy here, in my opinion. In a game in which I think that there could be a massive amount of variance given the amount of scoring in the scoring environment, I will take seven and a half points and maybe even seven points for a team that I think is going to do a lot of that scoring as well. It's just, for me, it's worked out past, it's worked out well for me in the past when I, expect a lot of variance and if you take a look and Adam I think we've beat this over the head a ton here on this podcast but the Dallas defense can be had it's not like this is an impenetrable force or anything like that and if you kind of go into what the Packers have been able to figure out here over the second half of the season and doing it with guys like Dontavian Wicks and Bo Melton and all these guys like it's it's a it's Pretty impressive, actually, but as impressive as the offense been, the defense has been e as equally in unimpressive. So I'm with Steven here. Like, if I was playing this game, I would only play over. There's zero chance I'm putting an under ticket in my account. Wouldn't surprise me if this came down to kind of last team with the ball type thing. It's interesting you bring up the idea of wanting the points with the variance because I think the traditional thinking goes, the higher the total goes, the less the points matter, right? Now... I understand exactly where you're coming from, though, because we're saying, is Green Bay seven and a half points worse than Dallas? And is that Dallas home field worth one, one and a half, two? I don't know, whatever you, whatever you make it, right? Like on a neutral, are we essentially saying that these teams are five and a half to five points apart? I don't know that they are with the way the Green Bay offense is playing right now. Now, that said, do I want any part of the Green Bay defense in a handicap? No, I, I don't. Uh, especially with Jair Alexander coming up a little lame in practice today. Uh, what I do want in this game, however, is the second half of my teaser. And God willing, Mike McCarthy will not find a way to make me want to bang my head against a wall <laughs> come Sunday. Because to me, to be able to get the Cowboys down to one in essentially a money line situation, I feel like that should be safe. But I say that with like, my eyes looking around the room like, is it really safe? Did I double check the locks? Like, is it really <laughs> going to be something I can count on come Sunday? I'd like to believe that it is because the one reliable thing in this game is that Dallas's offense all year long, unless it is facing an elite beat you up defense, has been on top of the world. This is not that defense. Whatever you think of the Packers defense, it ain't a defense that is going to smash you in the mouth, which has been when Dallas really struggles. So I will take this as the second half of the teaser that I like with the Houston Texans out to eight. And I will just cross my fingers and find all my rabbit's feet to hang on to come Sunday. Matt, can I put some numbers on why he's so scared? 
the the Cowboys in that same span that we were concerned about the Packers defense are 27th in drop back success rate defensively. We already know Diggs has been out for the whole year. Now Stephon Gilmore has popped up on the injury report, went from DMP to limited um, on Wednesday to Thursday. So now we're potentially looking at a banged up number two. If he can't go or is has to leave the game, you're down to your number three, four, and five cornerbacks with a quarterback who's facing by the metrics, a disappointing pass rush for the Cowboys, even though they have Micah Parsons, and a healthy offensive line for Green Bay that has been among the elite in pass block win rate. So that's probably why Adam's scared. Yeah, if we look here, what is fairly interesting to me is I don't think that we would have thought, if you look at this Green Bay defense, the one thing that they actually do well is get pressure on the quarterback, and so they could at least hit Dak a few times, maybe get Dak off his spot, maybe do just enough to keep this thing within a touchdown. If you look, guys, um, this is going to be no shock to anyone that's been following stuff like this. Tyron Smith graded out as the best blocking tackle in the NFL, uh, pass blocking tackle in the NFL this year. Don't get freaked out by him and Zach Martin showing up on the injury report. It is nothing more than veteran rest days for those dudes. They don't need to practice. Trust me. Those guys know how to play offensive line. So don't worry about that with, uh, with those dudes. Another thing when I was digging in, I thought was fairly interesting. Um, if we're if we're looking, guys, we know CD Lamb is the star of this offense, but weirdly, over the last few weeks, Brandon Cooks has carved out like a twenty percent target share for this yeah. team, and has basically kind of old manned his way into the number two role here for this team because it didn't work out with everyone they were trying to make the number two. Gallup didn't work out. Tolbert didn't work out. Like all these guys didn't work out, and so it's like. Okay, Brandon Cooks and your 31-year-old ass get in there and like uh you know go get it done and he's actually has gotten it done and so just if you're looking for you know we again it, we know we know it's fun to play some some SGPs every now and then we know that it's like you know if you want to sit and you just want to have some action that you can kind of kick back and 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 chill on he might want to be a part of any sort of SGP action for you. Um, his total is pretty low as it is anyway. It's only 40 and a half yards. You can find out there. You can find a 39 and a half actually on his receiving prop. And if you're getting 20% of Dak Prescott's targets in a game with a 51 total that we think has a chance to go over, uh, 40 yards is, is nothing, right? And so that's something to kind of take into consideration as well. What, what, you, look, what you think about, Adam? Um, I just want to clear up what Stephen brought up before because he gave a number of stats. Um, the reason that I am worried about my parlay is Michael John McCarthy of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, that is that is it. Um, also a good reason. On the Packers side of things, if if uh, if Watson is not able to go, guys, um, Bo Melton seventy one percent of routes for this team uh, while while uh, Watson's been out. Uh, 24% target share in week 17, 74% of the routes, 22% of the targets in week 18. So Bo Melton is getting his. Dontavian Wicks in week 18 ran routes on 79% of the dropbacks. He got a 22% target share as well. I think where I'm going with this is like, hey, don't bet on one dude to go nuclear because it seems like Jordan Love is okay with spreading spreading it around, spreading the love, if you will, uh, there oh, in, in, in that offense. No. Um yeah, so it's uh, it's you know he's he's giving the dudes that are open the ball. He's he's not favoring any any one guy. So just kind of keep that in mind as you're putting Matt, together. Yeah, 
we will have a Packers anytime touchdown post on the site that allows you to shop those prices on some of these ancillary offensive pieces all in one place to make sure you're getting the best price. So go to the site and check that out if you would like to, because, you know, I've seen crazy differences in, in prices when it comes to guys like Bo Melton and Wicks over the course of the season. Yep. And as that's a, as good a time as any to remind people that, you go to the lines on the homepage, dead center. There's a green button. It's a prop finder. Go in, make sure that you are getting the best number on the prop. Whenever you go to bet on any of these dudes, you'll, it'll show you the number. It'll show you the book. It'll also show you the juice. Maybe it's worth taking an extra yard to save yourself 20 cents in juice. So just be sure, do that shopping and make sure you're being smart about putting the, uh, the props into your account. Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions. This is an expensive three, pretty much. There are some flat threes, though, I should say, across the industry in favor of the Lions. 51 and a half is our total. Of course, this also indoors, fast track, perfect weather conditions. We do not have to worry about any of that nonsense. Adam, we know what the story is. We, we, we've we heard. We know already. Here it goes. It's it's Stafford back to Detroit. It's golf versus it's it's golf versus the Rams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there is that. It's the first meeting between these two teams this season and if you take a look there's going to be one very key piece that's going to be down and Sam Laporta is a very key piece of this offense for the Lions I think a very underrated piece of this offense for this Lions because Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs and all that gets a lot of love and as they as they should but Laporte, this went from being a very good offense last year to an elite offense this year. And I believe, I am of the mindset that it is because of Laporta and what he was able to do over the middle of the field. I think it's a really big loss for the Lions. It's an enormous loss for the Lions. It's especially enormous in the red zone where when they don't run, Sam Laporta is the guy who they're looking for. So that leads me to believe that despite where this total has blasted off to, I think this is a sneaky little under. Uh, this week because of the Laporta injury and because I don't think the market is remembering how Sean McVay approaches games when he gets ahead because there's not a coach in the league who plays slower with more than a seven-point lead than Sean McVay. He's going to shut this whole thing down if they get up. So there are not a lot of game states that I see here as someone who believes the Rams are probably the right side in this game, I'm less convicted on that part than I am on the total. If I were to play this, I probably would just play Rams money line instead of sitting around and waiting on the three. Because I think if the Rams offense is right, that's kind of going to be it considering the Sam Laporta injury. So for me, under 51 and a half is the look largely because I don't know that Detroit's offense is going to be able to hum in quite the same way. And because I, I know from years of watching Sean McVay that if they get the lead in this game, it is going to be run, run, run for him. If we look, this Lions offensive line, Stephen, graded out as the second best offensive line in the NFL this season, according to Pro Football Focus. Frank Ragnow was the highest graded center in the NFL. Panay Sewell got a 93.1 run blocking grade over the course of 2023. That is the second highest by an offensive tackle in the last five years, according to Pro Football Focus. So very good offensive line, a couple of very good standouts as well that are experts in what they do for this Lions team, which has, in fact, helped this team along the way as well because Jared Goff 
when not pressured, Jared Goff, when there is the threat of a run game and so the defense can't just pin their ears back and come after him, has been a really effective quarterback, whether you want to admit it or not. I know everyone ha- I know there's Goff haters out there, but Goff has been very, very good if you give him time to throw. He's had a really, really good season. And so I um all that being said, I did tuck a three and a half in the account on the Rams. I still would pl- it's probably going to get to three and a half again. These are there are a bunch of expensive threes out there. Like I think this will tick back and forth between three and three and a half. And on the other side of a field goal, I just have a tough time getting there. Like Adam said, Laporta is such an, a massive part of this offense in the red zone. He is such a massive chain mover. And I I get it that you got him Am- Amon Ross St. Brown, who is a beast. There is no doubt about it. He has a 30% target share over the last four weeks. 36% of the air yards for Jared Goff over the last four weeks. Like literally one third of every yard the ball has traveled in the air has gone to, to Amon Ross St. Brown. He's he's an absolute beast. But I just don't know if this thing runs as smooth as it has if he's a one-man show. And so with that, I thought more than a field goal was too much, and I took the Rams. So I want to start with a player prop since you mentioned I'm on Ross St. Brown and with our belief that Laporta is not going to go or if he even tries is probably not going to be all that effective. I laddered I'm on Ross St. Brown receptions Mm -hmm. and I found plus money using our prop finder tool on eight plus. So I put half a unit on eight plus. I put a quarter unit on 10 plus at three to one. And then I split an eighth of a unit on 12 plus and 13 plus at six and eight to one. So it's one unit total. If he gets his eight plus it's break even at worst. And if it, if the full ladder hits, you're getting three to one payback on that. So um, I, I think the matchup is great. You add to Laporta being out and more targets to the sun God. You also get a Rams defense that I've watched over and over again this year, just say we're not giving you anything deep, we're not giving you any chunk plays, and we're content to give you some stuff underneath, which is exactly where St. Brown eats in this offense and where Jared Goff looks for him. So I think he's going to be able to get plenty of action here. And if I'm right that the Rams have a much higher probability of winning this game than what the current odds dictate, we might actually get some negative game script here to add to the passing volume for Amonra St. Brown as well. Now, I bet three and a half on the Rams. I don't know if it's coming back. You guys seem confident that it will be. If it does, I would still tell people to bet it. Um, I agree with the under as well. I do I do think you guys make good points on that. I'm not anywhere near as bullish on the over here as I am on the Dallas and the Green Bay game. So I guess, Matt, the only question I have is how would this go wrong for the Rams? Because I said coming into the playoffs that this was my sleeper team. I thought that they could upset the apple cart in the NFC. If it goes wrong for the Rams, it's typically because Matthew Stafford gets pressured and melts when he gets pressured. And for what it's worth, the Lions did have the number one pressure rate this season. So I guess that's where I would be concerned. Um, and on the flip side, them getting no pressure on on Goff because they don't the, yeah. the Rams don't get any pressure on the quarterback. They're in the bottom, I think, six or seven in the league as far as quarterback pressures this year. They don't blitz very often, so it's not like they're trying to do that with it because they can't because of the personnel that they've got. And so, I mean, the, I think where it could go wrong was is kind of what you said. Like they're able to get to Stafford, they're not able to get to Goff. Goff throws from a clean pocket all game. He goes for three hundred and twenty yards against this team, and and they just they end up just getting you know beat by ten. 
Yeah, I I agree with that. And if everything that you've heard us say doesn't give you conviction on on a side or a total to bet here, then my advice would be watch the game, watch the first quarter or so. And if it's clear that the Rams are having trouble protecting, well, then I would live bet the Lions in that game. And if it's clear that the Rams are doing just fine with protection, then I'd probably still be very confident in the Rams in that game. So that that's exactly that's really the biggest thing I would look for here. Adam, I guess the the kind of the closing thought here in this one is if we're if we're talking, you know, the difference between three and three and a half is is big, right? And you said you're you're more inclined to play the Rams than not. If if this were to and we see some 15s, there's an 18 juiced three out there. So I mean we might see this thing Kind of, I mean, it's going to be short. Like, you're going to have to be paying attention. It's probably going to get gobbled up when it does hit. Would you recommend if it hit the three and a half on the other side of the three? Would you be a buyer at that point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to, and to your point, Matt, I mean, if we're talking about cheap three and a half, right? Like, I should say, if we're talking about expensive three and a half, apologies, we're looking at what if you're getting three and a half at 15 if you're even if you're getting three and a half at 20 there's only one number that you're going to buy the half point on that way right and i'm not saying traditional go out and buy the half point i'm just saying if you have to pay a little bit more it's only between three and three and a half those are the only numbers that you should be doing it on don't do it on seven don't do it on six if you're going to do it do it on three however for me the way that i look at this game i believe that if the rams offense clicks I don't think you're going to have to worry about those points. I don't think that I don't see where Detroit's offense, if it's truly minus Laporta, that I don't really see that the Lions offense is going to be able to keep up in that way. So for me, I would prefer with where it is right now, if I don't want to have to sit around all weekend and wait to try to find that price Rams money line right now, probably up to, I mean, I'm seeing it plus plus one forty. I'm sure you could probably find a little bit better out there if you go to lines and, and use the tools. Uh, one other thing I would say, this is the primetime game on Sunday, standalone. Carrie Underwood's going to be doing her thing, all that before the game. Um, if we want to play an under, it wouldn't surprise me if this thing ends up getting 52, 52 and a half, maybe even depending on how the public does that day, even even as high as 53, because this is not even just your typical standalone night game on Sunday. Like this is a playoff night game on Sunday. Like it's going to get massive attention. There's going to be a lot of casual betters come in and play this game. We know that Lions fans, Detroit fans are going to be extra excited for this game and, and, and ready to fire on this puppy. And so uh, that's the other reason why I think the three and a half might come back is I think that the exuberance around the Lions might get this thing bumped to three and a half again. I also think it could see this total hit 52, 52 and a half, and again, maybe even 53 before it's all said and done. I think we could finally see one of those, what we used to get in primetime games as far as over pushes. Um, I think this could be one of those games where we might actually get that. If it doesn't come to fruition, don't angry tweet me, all right? I'm just saying, this is what I think, all right? I'm just prognosticating around here. Matt, the one thing it's not doing is going down. Right, like you can feel damn confident in that. If anything, it will sit still. But yeah. if if it's going to move one way, it's going to move up. And to your point, just think about what NFL scores can look like. Fifty two is pretty important if you want that. Yeah, and no, Matt, absolutely. just full yep. disclosure for everybody before we move on here, because we're all 
we're all pessimistic that Laporte is going to play, but we're recording this on late Thursday night, and he's already getting a little bit more in practice than I expected him to. He did get a few reps at practice. His quote, not mine, uh, not reporters, straight from the horse's mouth from Sam Laporta talking to reporters today. He said, quote, yeah, I'm optimistic. And he said he was taking some blocking reps and doing some individual routes with Jared Goff. So maybe it's gamesmanship on a playoff week to make the Rams prepare for him. I don't know. But I think at this juncture, we would just be uh, wise to tell everybody to keep an eye on his status. Yeah, it's so my my best guess is it's a Will Anderson situation that like he's active, but he plays 10, 12 snaps if like if he's actually active. like he can say Very he's getting possible. blocking reps. He's got a knee injury. His ass ain't out there blocking. Yeah, yeah, his ass ain't out there blocking. I can promise you. Like, it it doesn't matter. He's got a knee injury. They are not having him block. Guys, can you believe that a game involving the Detroit Lions in the playoffs is going to come down to a kneecap? Man, Campbell (laughs) must be so upset. Hey-oh! There we go. Actually, he's loving it. Like, he's just sitting there. He's like, 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 you want to fix that kneecap for you? No. Except in this case, they're not biting kneecaps. It's a kneecap that's going to bite them in the ass, as it turns out. Yeah, it is. It is. It is amazing. But again, it's a good disclaimer, though, Stephen. But my guess would be, even if he's, air quote, active, it's like red zone inside the five-yard line, like those, those, those type of deals. Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Bucks is our Monday night football game. It is currently sitting three in favor of the Eagles on the road over the Bucks. 43.5 is your total. Adam, why are you shaking your head? I'm just going to get my handicap out of the way and say rocket ship to the sun. It's all yours. You guys take it. I want nothing to do with trying to figure out the Philadelphia Eagles. So what I what I will say in this is maybe maybe I'll swing back around on Monday morning. Maybe I'll grab one of these dudes to swing back around with me because this game is a little bit unfair for us to try and handicap here on a Thursday. They get the extra day. Because both of these quarterbacks are banged up. A.J. Brown is banged up. Devonta Smith did at least get back to practice today for the Eagles in a limited fashion. But, Stephen, it's, it's one of those things where both quarterbacks are dealing with injuries. We don't know the extent and how what they're officially going to be listed as and what their practices are actually going to look like on Friday and Saturday when it really matters for these teams. And so, as it sits right now, I put a two in my account on the Eagles on an o- on the opener in the off situation that the injury report came back clean for the Eagles. It didn't matter. It moved to three anyway. I am probably going to then play back on this and just hope for a field goal game and just kind of leave it at that and just be feel, feel pretty good um, from that standpoint. It's, you know, Jalen Hurts, if you guys didn't hear, his finger was completely jacked up. He has yet to throw a ball as of Thursday. A.J. Brown, they're said they're just taking it easy with him, but he's yet to get out on the practice field as well. And Baker, Baker Mayfield's dealing with ribs and an ankle. So, Steven, make some sense of it all. All right, I'll just give you some more stuff that we know for sure. On the Eagles side, Darius Slay, Devonta Smith, DeAndre Swift, all full, full participants on Thursday. And I remind you that it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday injury report with this being Monday night football. So we got to wait till Saturday for the final designations. That's a positive for the Eagles. Uh, We don't know about A.J. Brown, DMP. Jalen Hurts was officially limited, but he talked about not even picking up and throwing a football to that point in the week when he had his press conference before practice. We know that Nick Sirianni has gone from what is typically a walkthrough 
to having a full-on practice on Thursday because the Eagles' tackling has been so bad on defense. So uh, that's not great going into a playoff game. And on the Bucks side, we know that Baker Mayfield did not practice on Thursday with ankle and ribs. So here's what else I know for sure. The Eagles' defense is a train wreck. They are pitiful. In the second half of the season, they are near the bottom of the league in basically every metric. 31st by EPA per play, 30th by success rate, in the passing game, 28th by dropback EPA, and 29th by success rate. I think if this wind, like if the Eagles get a clean injury report and this winds up going back to two and a half, then I think the Bucks are a slam dunk teaser leg here. Frankly, these are these are two teams that I was kind of excited to bet against, and they wound up playing each other. So it's it's a tough handicap for me. I'm not excited about either of these sides, but it's never the Eagles as a favorite on the road in this game. I will tell you that. I don't care how optimistic the injury report comes out. This is still an offense with a quarterback that's banged up. That. If you look at the second half of the season, this may shock you, but Baker Mayfield ranks higher than Jalen Hurts in the second half of the season by EPA and CPOE composite. So, I but Baker's not 100%. He's like the walking wounded out there. So, I don't know. Like, yeah, if Mike anyone Evans saw, and Chris Godwin should eat in this game, right? I mean, if anyone saw that game last week, Baker was not right. Like, no, like they're Baker, winning in spite of him. Yeah. Like, Baker was wildly inaccurate. Game. Yeah, and you could tell he was laboring. He was, and then the ankle happened. So, like the ribs was why he was inaccurate, and then the ankle happened, which makes it even worse. In all that, if if you uh, back in week three, these two teams did play. Eagles beat the Bucks twenty five to eleven. Hurts threw for two seventy seven, but he was picked twice in that game. That was the that was that game where AJ Brown went nine for one thirty one. DeAndre Swift chipped in with one hundred and thirty rushing yards, and Baker really really struggled. Weirdly enough, against a team that everybody has feasted on all year long. Baker only had 15 completions in the game. He only went for 146 yards. Tampa had 17 rush attempts for 41 yards in that game as well. Now, two different teams, obviously, as Philadelphia has um, has has certainly gone downhill over the course of the season. But even when even when Tampa was uh, rocking and rolling and healthy at the beginning of the year, for whatever reason, they were unable to to get something done against this Eagles squad. So I don't know, man. It's just. I have a hard time shaking because I was very financially invested in that game last week. I have a hard time getting over what I saw from Baker in that game. Like he was bad, bad. And, and but, I, but let's, and, let's also be sure to say that at this point, even with nothing to play for the Panthers defense has a lot more talent is better coached and has looked a hell of a lot better than the Eagles defense for like weeks. Now they gave up 26 to, to the dead Trevor Lawrence. Like, you know, like I can only go so far with that with with the Panthers, especially because, look, to Matt's point, Baker Mayfield was limping almost the entire game. Like he he looked absolutely just crippled by whatever had happened to him. And if you look at Tampa Bay also against the look, I'm not going to go totally against the Falcons here because that defense was respectable through a lot of the year. Yeah. They didn't do crap against the Falcons for three and a half quarters either. Like the last two weeks, this offense has not looked right for yeah. Tampa overall. And so I wouldn't immediately say, Hey, they're going to go out there and be fine against the Philly team. That's been weak, especially because Darius Slay is going to be back. And that is, is going to make some level of difference to Philadelphia. But to my point overall is that you guys know I've been as bullish on Tampa Bay as anyone has been yeah. all season long. This ain't the spot for me. This just isn't it. 
Like I, I, I have a hard time seeing Tampa Bay's path in this game. That said, I just told you guys a minute ago, rocket ship, because if you think <laughs> I'm going to get fooled by Philadelphia at this point of the year, you are entirely wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm with you. It's, it's like I said, I put the two in the account on the Eagles, thinking this thing would move to three. It has already moved to three. Now I think there's at least a chance this thing moves to three and a half, and I might be able to play back on the other side and have a three point, have have the three as a middle. And so, um, I, I think I, I have a better I'm idea. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, I think I have a better idea. Whoever we, we've been betting some opens this week, Matt. We've been sharing them in the Discord, and so far we've gotten some pretty solid CLV here. Somebody by rule has to win this game between Tampa and Philadelphia, which means next week they're going to play an even better team in the divisional round. I can't imagine there's going to be an appetite to bet either Philly or Tampa when this market opens. Like this almost is like foretold that their opponent is going to get bet early in the week. So stay tuned to the free discord lines.com. Because I am going to be mouth-watering to just bet against whoever wins this game when that market opens next week. Because I can't see how I'm I'm going to want to bet the Philly or Tampa coming out of this game. Just keep something in mind. Keep something in mind with that. It's not the old days where the two seed gets the buy, right? Where you you could kind of get screwed by what it, by Dallas. You know, if Dallas has an injury or something like that. Like I'm with you. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Healthy, I'm, I'm with you healthy, that we want. Yeah. I'm with you that we want to fade them. It just can't be a blind fade the same way that it would have been in the past. A reminder, if you didn't catch Stephen and I's future video that we did earlier in the week, you can go and catch the full uh, video over on the channel. And if you just a, a sneak peek here on all that, there are a lot of other markets that you can bet this week and a lot of other markets in which we think might be gettable. Right. And so we have talked about weather games. We have a game in game right here where two quarterbacks are completely banged up. You can bet highest passer of the week. You can bet highest receiver of the week. You can bet all of these things, whatever. And like, if we believe these weather games are going to keep these guys from throwing, we got one guy who looked like absolute garbage last week and one guy who's got a crooked finger in another game who's trying to throw. Like, it really shrinks your choices down. And like, you can really kind of narrow down who you might want to go after in some of these markets. And so, again, just uh, take in that video over on the channel everything we do absolutely free so we do appreciate you guys hitting that subscribe button giving us a thumbs up going in the comment section uh doing all that everything if you're hitting us just on the audio side go ahead and subscribe to the feed as well we're putting out a ton of great content do appreciate each and every one of you guys lines.com use the prop tool upper right hand corner use the discord as well for adam for steven i'm matt good luck on your super wild card weekend bets